0: Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's Business Leader, 1220
1: KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black in your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Um, let's talk business. Let's talk what we can as far as the economy, as far as the stock market, the summer doldrums, Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air if you have any questions or thoughts today, you want to add anything. Um, If you want to talk Apple in the recent slump or Disney, uh, those are certainly hot topics that are easy to talk about. We have an up market. Why? Why? This has been a market that's been tough to put a finger on. Um, Apple's modestly lower. Disney indicated 8% lower, and we're higher when two Dow components are considerably lower, weaker. Why the positive disposition? Uh, The economic data that we got from ADP certainly wasn't great, but we'll get to that. So to answer the question, there's really no good answer to why we're positively higher, Um, even if it's a slight. Um, There was expansion activity with readings above 50 for China, Germany, France, Italy, the Eurozone as a whole. Service PMI reports, which are survey data, not hard data don't have the cache to push the, you know, the markets all day long. So that's kind of where we start. Um, traders are positioning some, you know, rebuild action that cat bounce after three straight losses for the S&P 500. That have coincided with the index heavyweight Apple losing 6.3% of its value over that time. The ADP employment change um, in June, June trade balance reports Uh, both of which were weaker than expected, altered the course of things. Perhaps that can be attributed to a sense that they've softened the possibility of a September rate hike that the last Fed President Lockhart got the market worked up about on Tuesday. The ADP employment change showed 185,000 positions were added to the private sector payrolls in July. Consensus is for about 220,000, so it's a disappointment. Payrolls were... For June, were revised lower from two hundred thirty-seven thousand down to two hundred twenty-nine thousand, so a loss of about eight thousand. The trade deficit was another piece of economic news. It widened to forty-three point eight billion. Expectations were for about forty-two point seven billion. Ultimately, from a downwardly revised forty point nine billion in May, that basically owed to imports increasing by two point eight billion from May, and uh, exports declining by about hundred million. The bulk of the import increase came from pharmaceutical preparations uh, 1.3 billion cell phones half a billion crude oil imports of capital goods excluding autos declined by 1.3 billion while exports of capital goods excluding autos declined by 800 million so not a lot going on there none of the trade data or data that came out today tied towards jobs paint a picture of a robust global economy um traders are you know probably getting an impression that we're due for a rate uh we're due for a, a dead cat bounce on the stock market uh maybe the data is weak enough that traders are saying okay the fed will hold off on their september rate hike it's hard to say because things aren't really clear today it's all a fascinating study and this is probably one of the reasons why i do this show Um, Just one in eight Americans believe the next generation will be more financially secure than they are, and only one in five think they'll have a better quality of life. So let's stop and think about that for a second. One in eight Americans believe the next generation will be more financially secure than they are. That's kind of like the end of rising living standards. That's pretty gloomy. A small majority also expect the next generation to have less disposable income there's certain realities that a lot of parents are facing in terms of difficulty making ends meet and struggling with their own financial challenges. A lot of it is taking their own experience and projecting it forward and thinking their kids are going to be struggling with the same issues. Um, You know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to say, you know, people are struggling right now. There's a lot of pessimism out there, a lot of negativity. Some of it's tied towards headlines and some of it's tied towards things in our lives, for instance. You may not have a kid who's in college, but you keep hearing about rising the level of student debt. Um, That's going to weigh on the next generation. Between 2000 and 2001, and 2012, 2013, the average amount of student debt for any kind of post-secondary institution increased 39%. Millennials now the largest generation. The Census Bureau counts them at 83.1 million, compared with 75.4 million boomers. So saying that the next generation's not going to be better off than the current is kind of humbling. Um, Especially since there's a lot of them. So their financial goals of millennials are pretty similar to their parents. They want to own a home. They want to start a family. Their goals, you know, don't really shift from what parents wanted. So the question is, will there be enough to trickle down? Or do you think your parents, do you agree with the study and say your parents are gonna be better off than you? Bank of America downgraded Apple today. They see a slowdown in revenue growth because iPhone sales are slowing and the new product like Apple Watch and Apple Music are taking time to catch on. China now accounts for 25% of all iPhone sales and it's gonna be hard to increase that share. The strong dollars will most likely harm profits over the next few quarters and profits are correlated to stock price. Apple's not crushing earnings expectations the way it used to, so analysts are, may start to lower their expectations. The iPhone 6S and 6X Plus, which is the rumored names of the next iPhone, will include new features, including Force Touch, but nothing meaning, meaningful. <coughs> and the analyst at Bank of America also doesn't see Apple increasing their capital return announcements in the near future. So it's interesting to note that 72% of all iPhones are still the older five models or older. So there's a huge base that could upgrade. Typically every two to three years is what most people do. But Bank of America is the first one to jump off the bandwagon after the recent slide of about 13% from its all-time highs. <clears throat> now, the last time Apple slid 40% was back in 2012, in the beginning of 2013. and That left a lot of people like, whoa. Of course, it climbed back, and of course, it re-hit its all-time highs. Um, It added a stock buyback plan, which it now has, that then it didn't, and it added a dividend, which it now has, that back then it didn't. So those are some things that could, you know, uh, add some support, but certainly it's, uh, people are jumping off right now. Disney stock sinks today, but Iger's bullish on cable and ESPN. so Disney down about 10%. The business has performed extremely well. They've got a very, very strong outlook going forward, but we felt that given the importance of ESPN to the company and cable networks in general, it was important for us to be candid about what we see in the environment. Um, Disney reported earnings that topped expectations, but revenue came in below projections as international theme park growth slowed. So the shares down about 8 to 10%. I think it's a long-term buying opportunity, but stock is expensive. And... Some of the changes that they've done at ESPN really make you wonder, they're doing a lot of cost-cutting. Uh, buy into the NFL, the Major League Baseball, and NBA, college sports, it's expensive. So, uh, anyhow, up to you if you want to take a look at it. Total Worker Advisor, for the action, any mentioned. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblack.com.
0: listening to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
1: So the private sector jobs number today was kind of important. US private employers hired 185,000 workers in July below the 250,000 expected 215,000, excuse me. Um, You know, there were some bright spots. The service sector added the lion's share of the positions. Large businesses reported their best month of hiring since December, adding 64,000 positions. American companies added fewer jobs than expected, though. Ultimately, it was the energy sector and non-vehicle manufacturing, which Trump said something pretty funny the other day. He was like, I'm going to bring back 5 million jobs from China. Uh, Manufacturing jobs, I'm like, no, you're not. Uh, You can do a lot of things, but You can't bring back low cost, low labor. Um, It's not going to happen. Could oil drop to 30 bucks a share? That's a big question that a lot of people are playing with right now. Dish Network, satellite TV provider, had a big beat on earnings in the quarter and revenue. Topped expectations. Uh, Dish says it lost subscribers at almost double the rate of last year as it had contract battles with Time Warner and 21st Century Fox. Yeah, it always kind of stinks, doesn't it? Lumber liquidators, the flooring retailer, had a big loss in the quarter. Analysts of slight profit and revenue missed as well. The company blames the decline on CBS News 60 Minutes report in March, which suggested lumber liquidators flooring from China had high levels of cancer-causing formaldehyde. Firm denies it, but they've pulled sales of those products. Um, Lumber Liquidators. If you watch any sports, you'll see that they uh, they're a big sponsor. I'm going to be interested to see if that holds up. Activision Blizzard, who makes the wildly popular game Call of Duty, blew away profit and revenue expectations for the period. Activision said both its audience and time they spend playing the games increased. And Activision is raising its earnings and revenue forecast for the year. This is almost a thirty dollar stock um, It's been pretty volatile in the last few years, but if you go back to two thousand twelve it was essentially what was it an eleven dollar stock and then two thousand thirteen it becomes a seventeen dollar stock and then two thousand and fourteen it goes way higher and hits um, 24 but then it pulled back to 18 but then it shot higher to where it is now at $29. The last four years, it's been doing quite well, um, slowly but surely. And, uh, you know, Call of Duty uh, is a franchise that's not going to go away, and it is a franchise. I mean, that's, you have to be honest about it and say it is. The, uh, you know, Activision Blizzard, at this point in time, trades about 19 times next year's earnings, making it pretty fully valued, but not insulting. Um, other stories of note today. Uh, Ginworth Financial swung to a second quarter loss, largely on a one-time charge related to planned sale of so-called lifestyle protection insurance, which that just sounds obnoxious. Kate Spade up 6% today. Sales grew 5.7%, boosted by a 12% rise in sales at stores open at least a year. Um, that's a pretty big, big number. First solar, um, a lot of people are looking at President Obama and say, well, why did you do this, you know, big initiative to save the earth and climate change when oil so cheap? It's going to be tough to get people's attention when they're out buying SUVs because gas prices are so low. Um, but for solar kind of suffers from the same concept that uh, in theory with the higher energy costs, we should have some problems. Um, with the lower energy cost for oil that, you know, the cost of savings might not be what you expect it to. Company's guidance for the year topped expectations. First solar has ramped up factory production and expanded abroad to soften the expected impact of a tax credit cut in 2017. Um, it's one of the renewable energy companies expected to benefit from a federal push to cut greenhouse gases. Um, Disney, obviously, a big time in the news today. Uh, earnings rose by an expected 11% with a boost from the latest Avengers film and continued popularity of Frozen. Um, Etsy, an online marketplace for handmade and vintage goods, reported a second quarter loss that more than doubled as expenses surged, offsetting higher revenue. Uh, Priceline had a better than expected profit and revenue in the quarter. Company booked more hotel rooms and rental cars at the start of uh, the summer travel season. So that's all very interesting and good. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. An ice cream recall is sending chills through the food industry. Um, there's a company called Bluebell Creameries. They're preparing to resume production of its ice cream after a sweeping recall it mistakes are fueling broader rethinking of how to keep ice cream and other foods free of deadly bacteria. Can you imagine? You eat some French vanilla ice cream and blah. how did he die? I ate French vanilla ice cream. It's not good. Um, not a good way to go. In my opinion, Netflix is going to offer parents one year of paid leave. Um, Trying to retain the best employees. That's gonna be, you know, success or failure. Starts right there when it comes, you know, bush to shove. Um, That's a perk, right? So you have a baby, you get three months off. No, no, you get 12 months off now. Um, And other companies copy that and follow it. So um, Google, you know, is a company that gets perks. Um, but other companies have had to add similar perks. There's a company called Altera. Uh, They have an NCAA regulation-sized basketball court, a true golf simulator, and a 90-inch television permanently tuned to ESPN. Food trucks come in to treat the staff to lunch. Fridges stocks with free bottles of Propel water um, everywhere around the office. Um, They sell pest control services because people see what... Google gets as far as perks go. It's kind of like spreading around. Taking a look at the markets were higher today after a few rough days. Um, I don't get excited, I don't get fearful. You know, Apple fell 14, 15% from its highs. And it's called a correction. It's normal and healthy. Being at an all-time high all the time is not normal and healthy and typically ends bad. You need some you know, winners and losers. You need some people to um, get in at lower prices. Uh, And I think uh, very normal and very healthy. I own shares of Apple, just for disclosure reasons. Um, Other stories out there of note, US airlines banned shipments of hunting trophies. I think that's great. The big three US airlines all have banned the shipment of hunting trophies, although it's unclear how many, if any of them, had been carrying in the recent years. Delta Airlines was the first to announce the change Monday, saying it would no longer accept lion, leopard, elephant, rhinoceros, and buffalo trophies. American Airlines and United Airlines soon followed. Would have been nice if they were ahead of the curve on that one because this feels a little bit like uh, PR. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at RobBlack.com. That's RobBlack.com.
0: trying to say, oh yeah, it's business time. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220
1: KDOW. Joining me now, Dr. Jeff Rosen from briefing.com, chief market or chief economist with briefing.com, a website that's dedicated to really solid financial information in kind of a non-biased atmosphere, in my opinion, other than regular human biases. Dr. Jeff, how are you? Not hearing Dr. Jeff, let's try that one more time. Dr. Jeff. Hmm. Can you we hear go. me? I can hear you. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know, someone probably didn't push a button, but that's okay. Um, I recently saw that you've penned a piece about reconciling 2015 GDP. And um, why is that important that we smooth out these numbers and kind of get it more right than wrong over time? Well,
2: I mean, part of my job here at briefing.com is to create, you know, near-term GDP forecasts and longer-term GDP forecasts so that, uh, you know, the, the people that read our website can have an idea of at least where I'm thinking, uh, somewhat of an idea of, um, you know, what our chief market analyst, uh, Pat O'Hare, is thinking over, you know, a little bit of extended period. And, you know, quarter over quarterly, you get some you know, mismatches between what actually happened and what my model's predicting. So I go back at the end of every quarter and, you know, basically give a hard look at myself and say, okay, why did I, you know, get something right or why did I get something wrong? In most cases, uh, I spend more time fixating on what I did incorrectly so that I could make the necessary changes so that my model is either more accurate or my my thinking about the economy is a little bit more in line with, uh, you know, reality or economic trends, you know, so to speak. So, you know, this update was a little bit different uh, compared to, you know, other ones. First, the second quarter included um, the normal historical annual revisions that you get every year. So, you know, there's always a little bit of mismatching based on the fact that the BA has some information that, I don't have that makes their estimates a little bit more accurate, but it also makes some of the coefficients I use in my models a little bit inaccurate, so just to understand where that's coming from. But they also included several changes to their seasonal adjustment factors. Uh, Earlier in the year CNBC came out and claimed that uh, first quarter growth rates were slower on average than the rest of the year and second quarter growth rates were stronger on average than the rest of the year and they concluded that there was some kind of residual seasonal effect. And the BAA acknowledged that there was a problem and made some corrections. So, you know, I have to go through my model and figure out, because my model is based on historical data, based on regression analysis using that historical data. Now that that historical data has been changed because the seasonal adjustments are different, my coefficients on my model is going to be different to match those coefficients. So I have to... uh, to spend a little bit more time and go through the data, you know, at a finer tooth comb to explain what's going on and you know, how I'm going to make this model more accurate in the future, so that our uh, you know, our subscribers will have a better idea or a more accurate idea
1: of what's going on in the economy. Okay. With that said, today's um, ADP numbers. Do you give much merit to them leading up to Friday's employment report? No. Yeah, uh, the ADP numbers. You
2: know, I've said this on on air a few times now that, yep. you know, it, it's basically Mark Zandi's forecast of the private payroll number. I mean, it, beyond that, it's it's, you know, very few economists that I know use it in their methodology when they estimate private payrolls. You know, they they do have a, a components that's proprietary in the number. They do have the ADP's. Uh, Change in, in their subscriber base, which they utilize to get an idea of, you know, what private payrolls may do. But you know, reality is, companies that use the ADP software that they, you know, include in their model, you know, are not representative of the entire United States. So there could be biases involved, and the ADP number is often wrong. So the fact that is, you know, it, it has good press. Uh, people like to look at it, but Is a useful indicator of what the uh, Friday payroll number would be. I discount it completely.
1: Okay, I think that's fair to say, and you have said that numerous times. But I always seem to ask you because it's one of the big headlines of the day, Um, and it does get talked about. Mark
2: Zandi does a great job of selling it. You know, it's his number. It used to be run uh, previously by uh, macroeconomic advisors. I don't know if they lost their contract or if uh, Moody's Economy.com bought it or how it works. But, uh, you know, it's more of a, just a publicized number that CNBC likes to use. You know, reality is it's a forecast, and it's just the same as anybody else's forecast. You could look at my forecast. You could look at Goldman's forecast. In my opinion, you know, everyone's got some components that go into their model. You know, why ADP gets priority over somebody else, I can't answer.
1: Okay. Service sector expanded. Today we learned from the Institute for Supply Management that the service sector expanded in July at its fastest rate since the recession. Um, Good news? Bad news?
2: It's strange news, to be honest. I mean, the services sector expansion is a given. I mean, things are looking better in the services sector. We expect to have, you know, 150-plus thousand jobs coming out of the service sector every month, you know, without, you know, preconditions. Uh, We know things are moving ahead. We know things are looking good. Uh, What was unusual is that that index generally moves in a very slow and methodical pace. You know, you you don't get very often large up and down swings because the service sector is stable. So the fact that this index jumped by so much was kind of unusual. That said, you know, it's another one of these surveys that economists tend to discount. You know, it's a number that just asks companies, hey, you know, did business improve or disprove or, or get worse uh, this month? You know, it doesn't ask you how much the business improved or how little the business improved. It doesn't weight the companies by their income size. So it doesn't give a completely accurate representation of what's going on. You could have a lot of small companies saying business modestly improved and a few big companies that said businesses you know, business has collapsed, and in terms of GDP, in terms of the employment numbers, that would be a negative. But the service index, you know, the index from the ISM will will show a net positive. So in that respect, it's kind of a you know a number that has to be used. But the fact that it it did move so much, and I think this was a it's only happened where the where the number is increased or decreased by more than 4.3 points, which is what it did today uh, nine times since it was created in 1997. So it was definitely a shocking number, but uh, it's not a number that I would be too, you know, excited about or too skeptical about either.
1: How about the trade gap expanding 7% and strong dollars pushing down demand for American-made goods? Is that for real? Yes. Yeah, I
2: mean, you're basically – and I'm going to put out a a brief on this either today or tomorrow uh, on briefing.com. It typically takes about six months before – Changes in the, in the dollar impact uh, the trade deficit, and if you look at uh, core capital goods, that the U.S. Uh, produ- exports, so computers and such, uh, machinery, you know, basically anything excluding aircraft, uh, that stuff has you know deteriorated significantly over the last few months, which coincides with the six-month lag in the trade in in the dollar, and we know that. Things have gotten worse since that time. So we would expect exports to slow even further. The fact that uh, Europe is growing up a little bit faster than we anticipated may offset some of this, but it's going to take a little bit of time before those global changes uh, impact the trade. So you know, expect exports to slow uh, even more in the coming months. Expect trade to weigh down on GDP. Um, you know, Really the only thing – that's going good for the deficit is that oil prices collapsed again. And, you know, that'll lower the uh, uh, net export deficit slightly because we still import more oil than we export. So uh, the fact that uh, that'll help. But the fact that the dollar is is strong, you know, now we're seeing the impact and and it's really going to be showing up in that trade number.
1: Speaking with Dr. Jeff Rosen, Ph.D., he's a doctor doctor. Uh, economist for briefing.com. Anything else that you're looking at that you think we should be paying attention to inside the economy? I, don't,
2: you know, I think that uh, you know yesterday's announcement. Uh, you know, I forgot which Fed speaker it is off the top of my head. I think Lockhart that uh, said that um, you know expect a rate hike in September. I think that's you know true. I think the next. I think that's going to happen. I think that we might see some demand getting pulled forward because of a. Uh, You know, the rate hike, I think that will impact near-term GDP and expense of of Q4 GDP growth. I think that, uh, you know, the employment numbers on Friday are important. I think that, you know, the only thing that could basically change the idea of a rate hike in September is if we get a really bad employment report, either in the uh, July number that comes out uh, on Friday or the August number that comes out in the beginning of September. But if those two hold the line, you know, 200, 220-plus GDP, payroll growth, um, earnings growth of, you know, 0.2%, you know, relatively stable hours. I think that, you know, that's enough for the Fed to move. It's not what I would like the Fed to do, but but I think that's what you have to prepare for. I think that's what, you know, needs to be done. My model is going to be taking that into consideration. That's the expectation. So, uh, you know, I would go with that.
1: Thanks very much. It's Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist with Briefing.com. Always an insightful segment, typically, same time, every Wednesday. Um, I cut it up. I splice it. I put it on my Facebook page, which is cron 4 Black, or I Hate Rob Black. Uh, I put it on Twitter, Rob Black Show. Uh, and I should put it on YouTube. I'll figure out how to do that at some point in time. I'm I'm Rob Black.
0: In your money on AM 1220 KDOW and IR Radio Station.
1: I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Six dollar eggs. That's what we're looking at. Egg sticker shock at the grocery store near you. Squeezed by limited supply and one of the worst avian flu outbreaks in three decades. Egg prices have risen sharply this year. And as we're moving towards the fall, birds will start to migrate, and some birds will carry disease from a place that we last detected in mid-June will probably fly to the southeast where there's big turkey and chicken populations. Believe it or not, there's, I think there's three types of birds, and this is something that, as far as, um, they've got funny names. There's the, the layers, there's the, those are the chickens that lay eggs there's the broilers those are the chickens that are raised for their meat and there's turkeys and turkeys and layers they tend to live longer than broilers and broilers are housed usually in not great conditions Um, so but because they're housed and sheltered they're likely to avoid the flu so chicken prices for meat should stay about the same but chicken prices for eggs could go through the roof it's kind of a weird concept out there. The companies that are publicly traded are Sanderson Farms, uh, Pilgrim's Pride, and Tyson Foods, as well as uh Maine Foods. So I bring that up in large part because uh, there's always an investment angle, uh, in my belief. Always an investment angle. Uh Millennials are buying Teslas used. 36% of all Model S buyers earn less than $100,000. It's a little bit of a shock because these are $70,000 cars, but 10% of pre-owned Model Ss are from the millennial generation, age 18 to 34, while millennials are just 6% of the new Model S buyers. Um, what's interesting to note about that is millennials are going to be the guys buying the cheaper Teslas and the cheaper electric cars down the road. Um, Tesla does have a plan to bring a cheaper vehicle out the markets uh lumber liquidator stocks sliding after a surprise loss down 13 percent weekly mortgage applications rose 4.7 percent tied towards refinancing mortgage volume finally made a move netflix is going to offer up to one year of parental leave netflix plans to start offering employees unlimited maternity and paternity leave for the first year after child's birth or adoption plan will allow for new mums and pups to return to work at Netflix within a year as they see fit in either a full or part-time capacity. And you're going to have an option to come and go as needed. Baby needs, uh, baby needs, you know, a shot. Dad can go pick up the baby and take baby to the shot person. Um, Kermit and Miss Piggy are the latest power couple to split. And... With her incredible powers, I want Taylor Swift to swoop in and, like, somehow get these guys back together. Because I grew up on The Muppets. I loved The Muppets. Um, You know, they announced their long-term romance had come to an end at the Television Critics Association summer press tour. Despite the split, they both will remain attached at ABC's The Muppets, a mockumentary comedy series due out in September. So this is just PR. It's cute, right? It's better than Fozzie Bear coming out as a transgender or, like... Becoming Caitlyn, don't ruin Fozzie Bear for me. We don't need the show to do, be a success that much. Um, oh, ratings for becoming Kate or I am Kate uh, down to fifty percent already in a very short time. So America seems to be losing a little fascination of what's that look like. Um, rise of Sound Exchange shows the growth of digital radio royalties. Uh, SoundExchange, the nonprofit group that processes the royalties for companies that pay performers and record record companies, uh, it took them about a decade to pay out its first billion dollars of of music payments. And this is like Pandora and Sirius Satellite Radio are the two big ones. The second billion came almost two years later, in early 2014. And on Wednesday, the organization said they've crossed that third billion in payments. So it's becoming faster and faster as the sale of CDs and purchased music at iTunes goes down, and as the leasing of the Spotify and Apple Music type of product uh, continues to rise. It's interesting to see a whole industry is transformed by digital distribution. And it's happened pretty aggressively, pretty much so across the board. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Google's CEO um, reportedly doesn't give a dirty word that rhymes with puck about Twitter. There's a persistent idea out there that Google needs to buy Twitter. Google has failed at social, so Twitter would fix that problem for Google because it have got 300 million people in the community. Um, traditional display advertising is shrinking, getting eaten by native ad formats, like what we see in Twitter and Facebook. So Google would get that business, uh, into it. The stock is trading around $29, down 33% of the last year. Its IPO was priced at 26. Um, it's getting increasingly cheaper to buy and investors are getting antsy. One reason the stock is tanking is that the company has bungled the CEO transition. Dick Costello stepped down and no one's really stepped in. Google's got $70 billion of cash. Twitter has an enterprise value of about $17 billion. Um, I think think Twitter comes in play somewhere around $24. $15 to $24 is reasonably when some people would care about it. But Google is unlikely to buy Twitter for one simple reason. Larry Page doesn't care about the company. If Google and CEO and co-founder Larry Page doesn't care about Twitter, it's going to be hard to motivate Google's M&A team to buy Twitter. And it's pretty well known. So um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com.